Good morning once again. I was just reflecting on the fact that um, I've had the privilege of um, ministering at Avondale Memorial Church for 10 months now. But in this last 10 months, I think this is the first time when I get to start my sermon this early. And I'm wondering, what am I going to do all this time? But I know you want to have enough time for the communion service as well. So uh, I've entitled today's message, He Promised. It is uh, based on, uh, on a theme that is one of my favorite themes in the Bible. And it is the return of Jesus Christ. And it is a fact that He promised. And I'd like to share with you a story uh, took place in Armenia, 1988. For those that were alive back then and know a bit of history, might be familiar that Armenia in 1988 was completely flattened by a massive earthquake. In less than four minutes, 25,000 people perished across the country. And 140,000 people were crippled in that earthquake alone. It was devastating, and uh, it was a complete shock to the in- entire country. And, you know, people from one corner to the other were, like, terrified, not knowing what to do. The energy released during the earthquake was equivalent to 10 atomic bombs, like the one that was dropped in Hiroshima. So definitely it had a massive impact across the country. In the midst of this utter devastation and chaos, A father left his wife securely at home and went to the school where his son was supposed to be that day. Because the earthquake took place at 11 a.m. So children were at school, people were at work. So this father left his wife securely at home in order to discover what had happened to his son. And of course, to his devastation, when he got to the school, everything was flattened. The building looked like a pancake. And as he was watching, as he was trying to recover from his shock, there were many other parents that arrived at that place at the school. And, of course, every mother and every father, all of them were shouting, my son, my daughter. None of them had the courage to approach the debris, to approach the collapsed building. And as he was crying and he was, uh, you know, trying to make sense of everything, this particular father remembered something that he had promised to his son. And the promise that he had made to his son was this, Son, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. No matter what, I'll always be there for you. And out of all the parents, out of all the the moms and the dads, this particular father took on the courage to actually go to the building and in his own strength to pull the, the rubbles aside, to pull the brick and the boulders. And he was moving and he did it for six hours and he did it for eight hours. And you know what? Others said, stop it. It's too late. Just get it. They, they did. But there was nothing that could stop this father from his determination to find his own Son, why? Because he had made a promise that no matter what, I will be there for you. So he, had, he kept on digging 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours later, nothing happened. On the 38th hour, he moved the boulder and then he heard the voice of his son. And when the dad heard the voice of his son after 38 hours, he called out his name, Armand. And his son said, Dad, I know you would come because you have promised that you will always be there for me. Tragic event, 
But in that rubble, this man was able to save 14 out of the 33 children that were in that collapsed building. And while the, the story is, is tragic, while the perseverance of this father was intense, it all, it all boils down to a promise. It all boils down to what the son said to the father, and that is, you promised. You promised. And if there's something that I want you to take away from today's message is that God has made a promise. And when God makes a promise, you know what? He intends to keep it. We do worship a God that makes promises. But not only that, we worship a God that keeps His promises. I'm aware that life can be very ugly, and for some of you, life has been very ugly. Life can be painful, life can be dark. And there are times when probably all of us have experienced a wonder, does God still care about me? And it is in these moments when we need to remember that God is a God that keeps His promises. When Adam and Eve sinned, God made a promise. What was the promise? That He will find a way out of this misery. And the promise was fulfilled in none other than Jesus Christ Himself. The battle in the Garden of Gethsemane, the trial before Pilate, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all of them are part of one big word, and the word is promise. God promised that He will rescue us from this world. And all throughout the Bible, we can see that God keeps His promises. And just to give you a quick example, after Solomon, King, Sol uh, King Solomon finished building the temple, and he dedicated that building for worship to God, he made a powerful statement that reflects God's faithfulness towards His children. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, I'm going to read this to you, it says... Praise the Lord who has given rest to His people, Israel, just as He promised. And what Solomon is saying here, God makes a promise and He intends to keep it. And he goes on saying, King Solomon, Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises He gave through His servant Moses. Not one word. 1 Kings 8.56 in 1902, there was a song written which reflects in a way the promises that God made and also the promises that God never made, but sometimes we assume He made them. And for your peace, I'm not going to sing this song, but I'm going to read the lyrics. You should be happy. And this person in 1902, when, when they put these words together, this is what they said. God has not promised skies always blue. Flowers run pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, and peace without pain. He hasn't promised that. God has not promised... We shall not know toil and temptation, trouble and oh. He has not told us that we shall not bear many a burden and many a care. However, on the flip side, the song goes, 
But God has promised strength for the day. Rest for the labor, light for the way. Grace for the trials, help from above. Unfailing kindness and undying love. Sometimes we get our ideas mixed up and sometimes we assume that God promised certain things which He never did. But what He did promise is that we will never walk alone. God promised that He will be with you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He promised to you that He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. He promised that when everyone else rejects you, He will accept you. He promised to you that when you are betrayed, cheated, lied to, gossiped about, when you are left all alone, He promised to carry you. He promised that your sins will be washed away. He promised to defend you and protect you. And because Jesus kept all these promises, I am persuaded that He will also keep His last promise made to humanity. Which is why we are here together. And that is the promise that He will come again. I want to spend a bit of time focusing on this verse. And if you have your Bibles, please open them with me. In Gospel of Matthew, this is the first book in the New Testament. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. And I'm going to read just one verse, and that is verse 29. This is within the context of the Lord's Supper. It is Thursday night. Jesus is gathered together with His disciples. And there is a powerful message that Jesus shares with His disciples. There is a powerful promise or a number of promises that Jesus makes that we need to understand them in their context and how is this going to impact my life. Matthew 26 verse 29 says, But I say to you, so this is Jesus saying to His disciples and He's saying to us, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There are three promises that Jesus makes here. Promise number one, that He will no longer drink from the fruit of the vine while He's being separated from you and from me. He will not touch that juice anymore. He remains committed. Promise number two is that He will come back to take you and to take me to His kingdom. And promise number three is that we will all celebrate that together. He promised. And communion, what we're going to celebrate very shortly, is the powerful reminder of these promises. And just to give you an idea of how important this promise uh, is, in the Old Testament, you have 1,845 references to the second coming. What is this telling you? Is this an event that is important to God? What is God saying? I can't wait until I come back and I'll be able to see you face to face. He's saying, I had enough of this separation. And I promise you, and I want you to keep this in mind, I'm coming to get you. Hold on, don't give up. I know life is ugly. I know life is not fair. But at the end, I will come back. And communion reminds us of that event. In the 260 chapters that we have in the New Testament, we've got 318 references to the return of Jesus Christ. 
And these are the apostles inspired by the Holy Spirit to write us about this particular event. And do you know what I love about it? That there is one promise for every 30 verses. In other words, you read your Bible and you go in the New Testament for 30 verses and the, the, the apostle says, and by the way, Jesus is coming again. You go, you go, 30 verses later, and by the way, Jesus is coming again. You read, you read, you read, and by the way, have you forgotten, Jesus is coming again. This is a promise that we cannot afford to lose out of our mind. He wants it to be anchored in it. He wants it to look forward to it. The way you live, the way you spend your money, the way you you do your life should be anchored in this promise. For every single promise that was made in the Bible for the first advent of Jesus, for for the first coming of Jesus Christ, Him as a baby in 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 the manger in Bethlehem, for every promise, there are eight regarding the second coming. This is five, but I think it's eight. Uh... I do know how to count. But what is God trying to tell us through the Bible? In our first coming, powerful. We've got, we've got the story of salvation. Salvation was made possible. But Jesus is saying, it's not that I only came and died for you, but I will come and receive you to myself. And this whole thing about the bread and the juice, for me, it's a powerful reminder of this amazing promise that we have from Jesus. And basically, when you think of that stat, you know, every, sing, every 30 verses, we get reminded, and I'm coming again, and I'm coming again, and I'm coming again. He doesn't want us to lose sight of that. And because He kept all the other promises, you know what? I am persuaded to believe that He will keep His promise as well. We do live in a world of broken promises. Just look at yourself. Sadly, there are times when those whom we love broke their promises towards us. There are times when we broke promises that we have made. Pastors break promises. Church members break promises. Politicians do the same. But God never. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Did you hear me? God never made a promise. That was too good to be true. And there's so much more that I could be sharing, but I need to to wrap it up very shortly. I love the way the Bible ends. And I want to take you to this verse in Revelation 22. In other words, it's like Jesus saying, when it's all said and done, this is what I want you to, to remember. When you finish reading the Bible, when you finish Revelation, when you close this book, there is one thought that God wants you to remember. Out of all the thoughts, out of all the information, out of all the knowledge that you have gained from reading the scripture from cover to cover, when it's all said and done, when the Bible finishes, there is one thought, there is one promise that Jesus wants you to remember. And that is verse 20. He who testifies to these things. In other words, he, the one that inspired everything, The one that wrote everything in Revelation. The one who stands behind every statement. He who testifies to these things says. What does it say? What does it say? Surely I am coming quickly. That's his promise. That's what he wants you to remember today. 
it's very easy to to get into this treadmill of life with business and activities and to take our eyes away from one of the most glorious, important, amazing events of human history, and that is His return. When it's all said and done, Jesus wanted to remember one statement, Surely I am coming quickly. And the only response that John could have come up with in Aramaic sounds like one word, and some of you might know the word. It was Maranatha. That was John's response to Jesus' statement. When Jesus said, I am coming quickly, John, all he could say was, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Is that still our prayer? Is that still our prayer? This, this, this theme of His return is so important that we have embedded in our name seven-day Adventist. We are Adventists because we're looking forward to His return. We do have a message that we want to share with the world because we believe in His return. Every contribution that I make in my tithes, in my offerings, offerings for Sabbath school, everything that I do for the church in service, time and effort, I do because I believe in His promise. That He will return. And I want to do my best in every single way possible to get someone else with me in the kingdom. Jesus will return as He promised. He will return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But the question is, do you know Him? That's the question. Do you know Him? Do you know Him personally? Are you prepared for that event? And let me briefly describe him to you. These are not my words. They're too good to be my words. But let me, let me describe you. This Savior. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. Do you know Him? He is the King of kings. He is the key to knowledge. He is the wellspring to wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He is the gateway of glory. I wonder, do you know Him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. He is the King of kings and Lords of lords. I wonder, do you know Him? You can't outlive Him. And you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave could not hold him. That's my king. And why wouldn't you want to worship such a king? Why wouldn't you want to worship such a king? And this king is coming to take you and me to heaven. He promised. 
and he will keep his promise. The question that really begs, begs an answer is, are you ready to meet him? Are you ready to see him face to face? Will he be there in the place that he has prepared? Are you planning to be there in the place that he has prepared? And God in his love has made this way, has made the path of salvation so easy that has become known as the ABC of salvation. What is the ABC of salvation? Accept that you're a sinner. You may be here for the first time or for the second time. But if you haven't really opened your heart to Jesus Christ, as in completely, sincerely, and fully, why don't do it today? Why not accept that you are a sinner? Why not believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord? And why not confess with your mouth that He is coming again? And all these three steps, the ABC of salvation is so simple. And it involves our participation in the bread and the wine. Because when by faith I reach out and I take that piece of bread and I take the cup, what I confess is that I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. That's, that's, that's my confession. And I accept my shortcomings. I believe that it is only through sacrifice that I can have a new, belief, a new beginning. But at the same time, I confess that I'm looking forward to His soon return. Are you looking forward to His soon return, church? There's a song that says, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Dear church, today we have the amazing opportunity to be reminded of one of the most incredible events of human history. And that is when we will see Jesus face to face because it all comes down to the fact that he promised and it is my prayer that as we go through life we will allow nothing and no one to take our focus from this marvelous and amazing event and it is my prayer that none of us will be missing on that day amen